Lark No Dice, the official tabletop talk show of the Fundamentals. We're continuing our series of interviews with D&D creators today with Alison Huang, a narrative designer, writer, and artist who's worked on video games, her own GMless RPG, contributed to the Art DMs Guild, and as many of you probably know, is a contributing writer to the upcoming Candlekeep Mysteries book from Dungeons and Dragons out in March. Welcome to the show, Allison. Hello, it's good to be here. So, uh, again, as I just said, the big marquee thing that I'm sure people won't hear about as much as we can is the Candlekeep work. Um, and we'll get to that in a second, but I always like to start because I'm a writer and I'm always curious with anybody who writes anything, um, how they get into it. And so when did you, how'd you get into writing and, and designing or what made you want to get into writing and designing games? Uh, so I have a, my story with it is a bit interesting just because um, in high school, I didn't really think that games was an option. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, you know, theoretically, I knew that people made games and stuff, but it wasn't until my uh, visual communications teacher was like, hey, you can get a degree in game design that my mind was just blown. (laughs) I was like, wait, what? (laughs) So um, I went to university for game design. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting in itself because my portfolio at the time was mostly art. Yeah. it's funny how these degrees work that <laughs> you know you can get in with an art portfolio mm-hmm. yeah so and despite the art portfolio a lot of the stuff that I did wasn't art and it was a lot of design but <laughs> it was you'd think I'd get caught off guard but I was fully on board and like really having a great time you know learning about design and you know Degrees, you don't need them for <laughs> design, especially if, considering that this is tabletop design yeah. and not video game design now. Mm-hmm. But it definitely helps me with like my thought process and like how I think about things. So I'm definitely glad that I did that. And then I graduated from my degree. Getting jobs in the games industry is incredibly difficult. <laughs> especially for new graduates. So Mm -hmm. I did not get a job. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, making my own little games. And then one day I got, I I saw a tweet um, from, uh, God, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but like uh, Paige Leitman or something like that. Um, about the Uncaged anthology, which yeah. is uh, run by uh, Ashley Warren. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, a D&D adventure. That could be fun. And I was like, do I have any ideas for this? And I looked through the monster manual. I was like, oh, yes, I do have ideas for this. <laughs> and I pitched Ashley an email. I didn't expect to get in because... At the time, she already had received a lot of emails, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll be sure to be cut because I've never done something like this before." Mm-hmm. But she liked my idea, and you know, she let me in, and I was like, "And then suddenly, I was writing a D and D adventure." Um, this was late two thousand and eighteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in two thousand and nineteen, um, my adventure from the forest they fled was in the first volume. You know, it came out. Mm-hmm. 
lot of people like you know it was the reception to uncage was like massive yeah we got like like silver in under 24 hours or something mm-hmm. like that it was ridiculous and of course like you know when that kind of thing happens to you you're going to be inspired to write more mm-hmm. so a bunch of a bunch of the uncaged writers were like okay you know we're going to make more projects like this so I got involved with a bunch of those, like Book of Seasons, um, God, uh, Friends, Foes, and Other Fine Folks, and all like uh, Eat the Rich. There's just a bunch oh, yeah. of projects that like came off just because of Uncaged. And yeah, so I spent like most of 2019 doing those things and like, you know, some of them bled over into uh, 2020. And um Ashley's also the director of the RPG writer workshop mm-hmm. and I you know volunteer to moderate her discord for her and I'm in that I discord can... you've probably seen me before <laughs> maybe not there's a lot of <laughs> <Probably>. us but... <laughs> I've never yeah. been in trouble I'm thank sure goodness <laughs> I'm sure I'll notice you after this meeting oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm not meeting I... <laughs> uh, at this yeah. interview um yeah and then I convinced her to let me be an instructor started mm-hmm. doing instructing in yeah and then uh in october 2019 chris perkins did a twitter thread of or tw- twitter message of like i'm looking to expand my freelance you know list you know reply with your latest uh you know project and i did and miraculously and very luckily he did notice my tweet mm-hmm and that did put me on his radar, which is, <laughs> it's really interesting how these things work with yeah. uh, the industry that you could literally get work because you made a tweet. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, like I got into TCRPG writing because of a tweet and here mm-hmm. I am getting work because of a tweet. But that's why networking is important, I guess. And, yeah. you know, it's the... It's the rewards for being on the hell website, I guess. <laughs> you, you, you take the psychic damage, but you know you get some benefits out of it too. Yeah, pretty <laughs> it's, much. It's a cursed object. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it is kind of wild how you know talking with um, with people and talking to um, just people I know in the industry. It it does kind of snowball for some people. Uh, especially recently with, with, with the way D and D is really, and especially the DMs guild um, yeah. has really skyrocketed in the amount of people. I mean, just the amount of people in the the writer's workshop mm. um, and people who came out of it, publishing stuff. It's crazy how well it's taken off and how many really, really fantastic writing has come out of that. And now we're seeing it kind of come to fruition with, with candle keep where a lot of the yeah. people are, coming into it with that mm, online yeah. built up presence. Yeah, and it's definitely wild because Candlekeep has a lot of writers that have never officially written for D&D before. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, it's just such a cool opportunity to that you know that you can just go from writing, you know, DM's guild stuff to actually writing an official DM's guild I mean, D&D um adventure yeah yeah it is and it's i think it shows a certain amount of trust that 
Blizzard's has with its um, with its fan base. That, you know, it accepts people who are creating stuff like that. Of yeah. course, there's been some. You know, you've mentioned you've you wrote for Eat the Rich, which has which had some um, had some controversy when it got published. Um, yeah, the great anthology, though I loved it. But uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and you well, something that I was interested. So you, you know, you obviously were probably playing. You played video games and stuff, you know, to be interested yeah. in game design. Mm. Did you have much experience with tabletop games before you started working? Um, you know, after that famous tweet, you started writing with with in in depth, and everything kind of became chaos after that. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely had an interest in the D and D and like tabletop RPGs before then, but it's definitely much shorter than a lot of people's I definitely mm-hmm. I'm always amused when people enter the RPG writer workshop and they're like oh yeah I've been a D- D- um, DM for 20 years and I'm like ha, 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 that's not me <laughs> um, because because um I when I was in high school my high school was an all-girls high school which is like not you know, obviously like that shouldn't stop people mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that you know societal norms and stuff won't mean that women aren't you know, less likely to get into like tabletop RPGs. So I was in a position where I wanted to, but there wasn't really anyone that wanted to with me. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until university where I was in the board games club that I was invited to play D&D. And yeah, I spent a lot of my university days just playing D&D with friends that I made. And, you know, it was really good, especially... The thing about university games is that because everyone knows when the semester ends, that mm-hmm. you can actually get a campaign done. <laughs> yeah. So I've actually been in some campaigns that are finished. That's just it's, it's pretty a, that's good. Astounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the, the the dream basically. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Um, and then after our university, I. You know, I still played with some of my friends from it. And then sometime after I started doing, you know, writing, you know, TTRPG stuff professionally, um, some of the uncaged people were like, okay, what if we did a campaign where we run through every single adventure in the uncaged anthology? (laughs) And, um, they invited me to guest on that, uh, that which is, it's called Three Flings. And mm-hmm. at this stage, I am now uh, part of the admin team for it right. because that's what I do. I, I like to stick around and <laughs> watch people. <laughs> I like to stick around and make myself a part of things because yeah. I don't like to half-ass things. I, I want to, when I want to get involved, I will get involved and you can't mm-hmm. stop me. That's just how I am. And yeah, that's basically, I guess it's like at this stage, it's, this is my sixth year of like doing, like playing D&D and such, mm-hmm. which I guess now does sound like I have been doing it for a while, but like compared to the people that have been like, oh yeah, I, you know, I've been doing this for decades. I'm like, no, that's not me. Well, I think it speaks to the the problem that D&D is been so i mean as a hobby i should say Mm. has been so much better at i think i've been playing since i since 3.5 was that when i was at middle school Mm. um 
but I think that speaks to this, the the way that it's a fairly recent thing to be as well accepted mm. among society, you know, yeah. um, but also among non-white people of color with uh, queer people um, mm. with um, with women, you know, it's, they, they've always been around, you know, I always, I, mm. when I was at Gen Con, I was asking um, a couple of years ago, I was asking people about, you know, what do you think about women being prominent in RPGs now? And the responses I got was always, well, no, they were always here. <laughs> right. But uh, I think that that the, the stigma that came with it, I think, and it held things back, you know, and it, yeah. it really, because we didn't have, we, we people are coming in with great ideas, you know, and mm. weren't exposed to it. And university is just also a place where um, a lot of people have, I talked to um, Amy, uh, Amy Vorpal uh, on our first episode of the series. And she also mm. got into it in college. <laughs> um, so it, 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 that seems to be a pretty common, uh, and a lot of people I know are like that. So, mm. Um, so I do want to ask, so one thing that you emphasize when you're talking about your, your, your design work that you're doing, um, as both some, you've worked on, um, several different kinds of games on, on itch, on mm. twine, um, and obviously with your D and D work, um, you emphasize in, when you're talking about your, your work that you're trying to um you're working with subversion yeah um which makes sense you know being in that's kind of what the core theme of uh like uncaged uh mm. was uh but i'm curious what you you know what you're trying to what your s- subversion you think what do you think about when you're subverting something or what are you looking to subvert as a designer that maybe you try to do when you approach your des- your work Ooh, that's an interesting question because, yeah, subversion is definitely a big theme of mine. It's something that I always try to do in some capacity with my stuff. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's, like, not always something that I consciously think about. Mm-hmm. But um, I have this thing where I just refer to it as my bullshit of just, <laughs> like, <laughs> just the way that my brain works. I'm just, like, if it doesn't look like it is my bullshit or, like, if someone doesn't look at my stuff and be like, yep, that's Allison, <laughs> you know. I so it's a brand thing, I guess. It's you know just <laughs> put injecting, you know, what makes me me into my work. Yeah, yeah. I think with uh, from the forest they fled, I was definitely being intentional with it. So I was very deliberate with making it subversive. But that was also because it was my first work, and it was for Uncaged, which was specifically about subversion my mm-hmm. other work sometimes i'm like what if i did this but not in the way that people think i'll do it yeah <laughs> you know sometimes it's just like what if i did like this this idea that people have done before but mm-hmm. made it you know made it go a dire- direction that people don't think it will go mm-hmm. so i guess um with the forest they fled the most interesting thing about it is that there isn't really a villain. There's not really an antagonist. It's um, it's it's an adventure about figuring out like what's going on with a situation that doesn't 
concern you, mm-hmm. which to me, as someone that was coming into, you know, writing for um, D&D, I didn't actually think too deeply about it. I was just like, I'm sure someone else has already, <laughs> like, done something like this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it came out and everyone was like, oh, this is, you know, so revolutionary. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? What do you mean? The fact that I, uh, you can technically, you know, fight a quote unquote final boss, but it's designed in a way that means that you should lose if you try mm-hmm. and fight them is, <laughs> you know, subversive and new. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, and that's the thing I'm curious about, you know, it's D and D and there's been a lot of, I mean, there's been, there's debate happening right now because there's always D and D discourse. Yes. And that's part of the, that's part of the fun of Twitter fun and very huge. <laughs> um, but that, you know, working within systems like Dungeons and Dragons, um, which are, I think, and you can disagree with me on this. I'm not sure what your experience working with it has been because obviously your first adventure was already messing with things. Um, mm. But it, 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 it's a little rigid in that it is kind of a rigid system. You know, it's kind of mm. built for fighting. It's a murder hobo simulator. Um, yeah. And also because the expectations of, you know, decades of, of what D and D should be. And mm. so it's kind of, I think it's, it's daunting and, uh, to, as I've been thinking, as I've been working on my first stuff to try to get published this year with with the RPG Writers Workshop, it's been interesting thinking about playing on the edges there. Mm. Yeah, um, I definitely like um, for my RPG Writer Workshop adventure. Then came the rain. It, that one is definitely my safest one. It's definitely mm-hmm. like my most like closest to quote-unquote traditional D&D in which that it is an adventure with a pretty clear villain with a dungeon in it. So, like, everything else is just like, yeah, but what if I did something completely off the rails? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yeah, my inspiration changes from adventure to adventure. For example, um, uh, there was Uncaged Live, which was... uh, a charity live stream that we did where a bunch of the adventures were played and there were a lot of, you know, incentives to donate, like, oh yeah, um, if you donate this much money, a goat will appear and all that <laughs> stuff. So because of that, I wrote my Eat the Rich Adventure, a mouse unusual scheme with the idea that I want an adventure that is completely hijinks and like has a serious theme, but it, it is extremely silly and could be played on a live stream, no problem. But also the other direction I had with a mouse and you draw scheme was like, what if the Pied Piper of Hamlin, but lesbians? Oh, well. So, you know, I have, (laughs) sometimes that is my process with my stuff is just like something incredibly silly (laughs) or, you know, you know, in response to, because obviously either rich is, you know, has its very specific themes Mm-hmm. Or do you know, like, you know, how do you combine like the the prompt or like the theme of an anthology with whatever <laughs> whatever crosses my mind? It's mm-hmm. just, I guess, it's about the combination of things. 
Yeah. And which is probably why my stuff is so subversive because I'm never approaching it from one angle. I'm always thinking, okay, you know, what is something weird that, you know, will make this more interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, that's, that's a, when it comes to writing, I think a lot of stuff, that's a great way to approach it, especially when you're dealing with, with tropes that might feel a little old or a little tired is, is approaching it from different mm. angles, you know, cause I mean, how many Pied Piper versions have there been, but how many lesbian Pied Piper versions have there been? <laughs> you know, there's not a whole, yeah. this is the first that, you know, that's like the first one that I've heard I'd heard of. So um, I, I'm curious uh, if you, you know, if you don't mind, I'm thinking about the other half of your, you know, I'm I'm thinking about how you you know your um, the way you describe yourself because that's always interesting. Um, you do you definitely I say definitely seem to, but queer narratives is what I'm getting at. Mm, yeah. Um, and I'm you know I'm wondering what your experience with uh, you know in game design working with queer experiences has been, um, both just in general and maybe with if you've you know, how it's been with D and D thinking about things from mm. that angle. Um, queer stuff. I always, cause especially I was already thinking about like queer game design in my degree. So I had transferred that over. It's definitely a lot of it. It is just about like, okay, you're a queer person. Therefore everything that you write has some of that bleed in, whether mm -hmm. intentionally or non-intentionally, because you're already thinking about things from like a non-cis-heteronormative um, standard mm -hmm. way, you know, you're already, you know, thinking about, oh, maybe I shouldn't make all of these NPCs men, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like in a lot of my adventures, it is like, um, like from the forest they fled, uh, doesn't have any explicitly like queer characters, but if you notice, I never actually refer to, well, um, the the monster, quote unquote, in my uncaged adventure is a dryad. And mm -hmm. I never, I always refer to her with she, her pronouns, but I never refer to her as a woman because, you know, I don't think that fake creatures would have the same view of gender as, you know, humans would. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a very deliberate wording on my part, but it's not you know, explicit because, you know, it's dangerous to compare a human gender with uh, beings that I don't think would, you know, ascribe th to them. So it would be dangerous to say that this you know, NPC is non-binary, for example. Mm -hmm. um, in other stuff, yeah, like um, A Mouse Unusual Scheme, I did want to do explicit uh, queer rap with... Um, uh, the, the Pied Piper in my case is Robin because I wanted to get a bit of Robin Hood in there. And mm -hmm. yeah, well, because the adventure is about, <laughs> this is the most subversive part about a mouse in usual scheme is that I was like, what if you are the rats? Ooh. What if <laughs> I got someone to pol like consensually polymorph all of the characters into rats so they could infiltrate a castle? Mm -hmm. And uh, her girlfriend, Marie, is the only one in the castle that is, that is on your side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was letting me be like, okay, yeah, how do I make this part of the plot, you know, that you can't remove it, you know? And, you know, just really fun to be like, oh, yeah, the quest giver, the person that initially gave you 
this quest isn't really part of it once you leave um leave her but yeah. she does you know have a girlfriend that can be a part of your adventure mm. you know depending on how things go uh there was there's you know there's also part times that um it just doesn't fit in the adventure structure you're going yeah. for to you know have those things happen just because um, in my Book of Seasons adventure, before the pitchforks come, I was going to, I ri- originally was going to have some like queer rep in the ending, but it ended up being that there were so many variables in the ending that it was a lot of, okay, depending on, you know, what your characters have done, like it could go like so many ways. Mm-hmm. Here are some examples. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. So I couldn't mention it. But it, it's like, if you look at any of my adventures, extremely bold of you to assume any of these characters are straight. It's <laughs> 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 like, please. <laughs> yeah. That's... So, you know, that's somehow, sometimes how these things go. Especially in a game like D&D where, like you said, there is an emphasis on murder. There is a lot of emphasis on, you know, if some someone has HP, they can be killed. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are, because of that, there are, you know, I have reasons for not wanting to, you know, say that a character is queer just because, you know, like, what if someone wants to do a hate crime on them, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's definitely, like, a big part of, like, how I approach these things. It's complicated. And, but it's very it's it's interesting. I, I like what you said about entering the space, you know, as just as a queer author, it changes how how you write in general, um, mm. and that the sub that ties into the subversion stuff as you said because it's not it it's inherently kind of subversive to enter a space like Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Um, well, I mean, entering a space like Dungeons and Dragons as as a as a person of color or a white or a woman or a um queer person or you know mm. anything that's not you know and it is true of most society but D is just such a microcosm i think for a lot of things yeah. um that you get that subversion in there um and i think people seem to think that you have to put you know if you want to if you're like queer you've got to make everything that you're writing just mm. the, you know, off the wall, the queerest thing possible, which, you know, totally yeah. want to do that. You should do that. But <laughs> um, yeah. it's in, but it, I think I, that's a, I like that point a lot. And um, it's it, the way narratives work out. Sometimes you can't put as much in as you want, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, ultimately, you know, D and D adventures, they are a collaborative experience. One of the things I had uh, uh, drill into my head early on was that as soon as, you know, you publish your adventure and some DM like picks it up, it is out of your hands, death of the author. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't tell them what to do anymore. So you have to approach your writing from that point that you can't make excuses, you know, and, you know, influence it, you know, once it's out of your hands. And that, I, I wanted to ask about that because I'm always curious and it, it's, it's, it's a different because I asked, I've had a couple writers on um, to talk about, I've, you know, Ashley and, and Sarah Madsen. 
and um, I, you know, they both are coming from a writing background. And right. um, so I'm wondering how you, and this is just a game design question because you, you know, mm. you've, you've done work, you know, your non tabletop work has been um, a lot of, you know, choice, heavy narrative, heavy stuff. Mm. And I'm wondering how you, Oh, one second, hold on. My, Sorry, dog, dog issue. <laughs> um, the uh, how you approach writing, writing a game with player choice. You know whether it's wide open, in the way D and D is, or a more limited way, um, accommodating people to who have are going to make choices and affect the game on their own. Yeah. Um... One of the things I also, you know, drilled into my head was that you can't predict players. <laughs> you will try and account for all of the options that they will take and they will still do something that you wouldn't have thought of in a million years. Mm-hmm. And I've always, you know, approached uh, my writing and design with that in mind. So how I get around that is that I focus on the NPCs and the NPC motivations because uh, a key part of my design philosophy is that I always make the narratives and the stories really personal to the NPCs. That way the NPCs have a stake. They care about, you know, the outcome of what's going to happen. And that means that if things go, you know, completely, you know, in an unpredictable, predicted uh, direction, then you still have something to go off on. You know, you think, okay, if this happens, how does this NPC react? You know, what do they think, you know, should happen next? Or, you know, how will this, you know, antagonist stop the players? You know, like what are what is their solution to this problem? And just mm-hmm. thinking about from it from that perspective, it's kind of like, you know having your own party as the DM and, you know, reacting to some events that have happened that are out of your control. So it it turns into basically two parties, you know, going against each other, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that actually double whammy of, of, of the DM, but planning for it is, is difficult. Mm. Um, How do you, how do you, you know NPCs? You've you've contributed to a couple different. Um, you've contributed to a, a big NPC anthology. Yeah. Um, and you've worked with with them obviously a few times, and I mean, I mean you have to anyway. But you know you've worked. How do you? Um, how do you go about creating an, an NPC that's gonna, you know, that is interesting and or you think might fit your fit the story you're telling how do you create a how do you create a good npc that's not just a someone with a exclamation point over their head saying go do the go kill this thing <laughs> yeah um i always start like with a really basic uh you know i need this character here okay you know of you know just basically placeholders for what the npc will become and then mm-hmm. over the course of like because a lot of my process is like ruminating over what my adventure is I spend mm-hmm. quite amount of time not even writing down anything, just letting it sit in my head, <laughs> which, you know, 
works for me. I'm sure that would, like some other authors would just find that so bad. But yeah, I because I just you know I guess I daydream a lot. You just you know just zone out and just think about these things. But also the other part of it is that I also have a theater background. Mm. I've done acting throughout high school and uni, so I always you know I can basically you know use that experience also like thinking about like how a character would be like you know if I were to act it out basically not on a conscious like you know I'm not reading out scripts or anything but Mm -hmm. definitely like that definitely helps with like figuring out motivations and just like helping I I definitely let the characters develop organically Mm -hmm. using all of this experience so it's just a lot of a waiting game basically sometimes but like you know sometimes the writing process can't wait for that so I guess you know I I try and speed it up whenever possible but sometimes that just means that I am like incorporating my own original characters into them a bit just (laughs) (laughs) just because I know my own characters motivations and like personalities and you know because I've had some original characters that have like been with me for a decade. So, mm-hmm. you know, I just think about how they would, you know, act and stuff. But obviously, all of this thinking really doesn't get written down so much mm-hmm. just because, you know, if I were to, I would just write essays and essays <laughs> about that stuff. And, you know, sometimes an NPC does not need that. So yeah, there's a, a lot of thought about this, but a lot of the times not so conscious, especially like if I know, oh yeah, okay, this character, the players probably aren't going to interact with a lot, but I will note down these things just in case they do. I guess it's also like about like figuring out what the most important parts of a character are, like mm-hmm. what is the thing that will... M- I don't really care so much about memorability just because I am focused on like making NPCs have realistic motivations and stuff, Mm -hmm. but like definitely like what makes them stand out? Like what is the thing that the the DM can latch onto and use that as a, you know, something to go off on. Yeah. Uh, Those working with that, that DM thing and working with realistic expect realistic reaction to things. I think people writing NPCs or writing characters for any any D and D thing or any RPG even. Um, I think a lot of people try to they don't necessarily always expect realistic reactions to things or they don't think of characters or think of their own their own characters as human. Right. Um, and I think, it, but I think some of the best drama that we've seen come out of RPGs is when um, the, the the actors in the story are human, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Not like not right, not you know, they're not humans, maybe, but <laughs> they're they seem like they're real people. They're not yeah cartoon characters. Yeah. Um. So we talked a little bit about how you, you know, you sort of got the call for, for candle keep. You got the call on uh, sort of on Twitter, kind of you saw the tweet and you, and yeah. you put your, put your line out. Um, I guess, what was it like getting, 
you know, sort of getting fully on board with it? Like, how did it, you know, how did it feel? You, know, you talked a little bit about it, but um, how you felt just considering that sort of short, rapid trajectory you had to suddenly be writing for official D and D. It was definitely really surreal because <laughs> um, I actually like they actually asked me through an email. And, you know, when you get an email like that, you just, you know, you just sit there for a while and go, go like, is this a scam? <laughs> so I just had to do a lot of research just to make sure that, you know, I am actually talking to the real people mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And, yeah, it took me a while to process, really. But, you know, you have to be a professional. You have to answer these things in a timely manner. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was an interesting time, especially when you also have to think, oh, no, now I need ideas for this. <laughs> uh. So it would, so I, I, I haven't asked this. I've been, I've actually been curious how, um, so they, they asked you to come on board. Did they mention that it was going to be Candlekeep related? Like would they ask you to come on board or. Uh, hmm. I feel like I would have to go through my emails and stuff oh, just stuff. to make sure I don't break NDA. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because they definitely told me some things before okay. the NDA. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. It, all that came <laughs> after the NDA when I think about it. Yeah, um, that's yeah, okay. I think it was like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we want you to write an invention for D&D, you know, this word count. You know, if you, you know, if you're interested, we'll, you know, send you more stuff. Okay. And, you know, sign this NDA, please. Yeah, no, that makes, I mean, that makes sense. Cause you know, they don't want you to say, Hey, I'm writing this adventure. For, Cause I mean, yeah, there was in, you know, in, in the table, in the media, tabletop RG media, there's only like six people. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, on the lo- I'm on the, like, I'm on the, I'm in the, I'm in that group, but only like recently. And right. there were articles that literally they had um, gone on to Amazon and Penguin's websites. Mm, yeah. And they'd seen that there is a book that is due to come out the day that Candlekeep is. Yeah. And this was like a month before they actually announced it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not shocked that they were, you know, because anything that can be found will be found. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's... Yeah, all the speculation definitely meant that, like, technically I could, like, make a tweet about, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to be writing a thing for D&D. But, like, you know, the Twitter sphere is only so big. Mm-hmm. And, like, that kind of thing just, like, could get out of control at incredible pace. And I mm-hmm. didn't want to risk that kind of stuff. Especially yeah. when, you know, there are a few things that, Everyone wants to come out. <coughs> Planescape. Planescape. And like anything that <laughs> wouldn't be that would just, you know, the expectations would, you know, be ruined. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, which, which is fun because that means that I've had to keep it under wraps for just a whole year. The amount know? of re- the amount of relief that I saw from like every contributor when they were the, the day they announced it, like the amount of relief on Twitter from everyone saying, yeah. Hey, I'm writing on this was, it was, <laughs> I could feel it through this. Just everyone was just like, Oh, thank God I can say stuff now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when you, Oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't have, I wasn't saying anything. Okay. <laughs> um, when you, uh, when you've been working on the project, um, 
has the process you, you've worked on multiple projects before, you know, worked on your own stuff. We also with, you know, uncaged obviously mm. and um, eat the rich and a few other ones. Um, mm. Most of your, well, most of your D and D published stuff has been part of, you know, working on projects. Yeah. Um, how did it, did it, did it differ, differ terribly from the work you've been doing with the DMs guild? Like, was it a different process or was your writing? Did you feel that your, you know, your design philosophy meshed well with what you were having to do or um so a lot of the projects that i've done they have mostly been through discord and stuff just Mm -hmm. because you know when you have projects of that size you kind of need that i have done some projects that have been through email some smaller ones Mm -hmm. so like i had experience doing you know projects completely through email but this was like i think that definitely the biggest one that i had to do through email so it was just a bunch of emails back and forth, you know. So there was paperwork because, you know, with a project like this, there has to be paperwork. Mm-hmm. Other times it was, you know, just, you know, oh, yeah, setting a draft or, like, receiving edits, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I think it was straight, definitely straightforward from that point of view. Just I wasn't, you know, alarmed by anything that happened during the pro- <laughs> process. Yeah. It was pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't anything new to me. Yeah, well, that's, you know, I, I'm not expecting, I, I it, everything I've heard of that it was, a, I mean, great, but I'm always just wondering because, um, you know, people think there might be a difference and I'm always curious. So, yeah. Um, how was, uh, how was working on it? And I, and I guess generally I'm curious how I was working on it, working on your work, your design work as we've been in, in, in quarantine now obviously you've been in quarantine less than i have because um uh, <laughs> well maybe maybe not that. you individ- maybe not you individually i don't know you'd think that but i live in <laughs> melbourne oh. and melbourne had the months and months long lockdown oh boy yeah so yeah how, how, <laughs> how did that how did that go as a you know as a creator how did that did that how did that affect you Mm, so here's the interesting thing about Candlekeep is that I already started doing writing for it before quarantine started. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I already, like, it, it definitely was harder to write under quarantine circumstances, mm-hmm. but, like, it was at a time where everyone was adjusting to it. So like deadlines were extended and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like everything was getting more lenient just because, oh yeah. Hmm. This, uh, things are different now, but yeah, I had the advantage of already having words down on the page before then. So it was definitely not as difficult as it would be right now. (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> um, my writing has definitely, like, slowed down over quarantine. I've definitely... Because um, I'm a person that likes to do, like, three projects at a time. So I have something to do, you know, when when I, you know, tired and can't work on one of the projects. But in, in quarantine, my brain can only focus on, like, one or, like, two if I'm really lucky. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very... The timeline for Candlekeep was very fortunate in that regard. Yeah, that's good. I mean, and that's that's good that they were accommodating for that as well. Mm. Um, but I'm, I, it'll be interesting seeing how 
people's creativity, how their projects have changed since before and after. Um, All right. So I want to, I guess, speaking of that, um, is there anything else? I know, obviously, uh, you know, the big thing that you're talking about right now and things is candle keep coming out in probably a little about just about a month by the time this comes out. Um, yeah. <laughs> time's flying um yeah were there any other projects that you're that you're working on that um that you that you can talk about that you you've been where that might be coming up soon i'm also a part of mcdm's arcadia which is a series of uh patreon zines that are like full of different articles about you know having villain writing villains different mechanics and that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. i'm also i'm my contribution to that is also an adventure so oh, that'll nice. be fun that yeah i have two adventures that are coming out and uh they are uh, i'm so excited to talk about both of them because like i've you know i'm really proud of all of my adventures but mm-hmm. you know you're going to especially because, you know, I'm all about subversion. I don't like making adventures that are similar to each other. So Mm -hmm. each time I have to, like, figure out a different, like, design space I'm working with. And I'm excited with the directions that I've gone with both of my adventures. And um, in addition to that, I am also working as a writer for the Dreadful Realms uh, setting, which was um, which is a lovely setting by my friends Kat Evans and Law Evans. Uh, it was kickstarted last year, successfully, obviously, and they brought me on as a stretch goal writer to write a campaign, or well, help write a campaign in, in that setting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those are my major projects right now. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually really interesting because, you know, we talk a lot about my anthology work, but like definitely like in 2020 between uh writing officially for D and being approached by mcdm like my own projects have definitely diminished just because mm-hmm. when you're the thing about the dms guild is that it's for royalties so you're very dependent on you know how many people are willing to buy your stuff. And that means yeah. a lot of marketing, a lot of, you know, writing for things like the RPG writer workshop, just because, you know, there is a marketing aspect of that, that you're mm-hmm. going to get a boost because your adventure is in a bundle. Yeah. But like <laughs> when you're writing for like, you know, projects that are actually willing to pay you, you know, larger amounts of money that mm-hmm. are possible with royalties, unless you get really lucky. Or, like, you know, over a long span of time, it's, like, the appeal of writing for royalties has definitely diminished for me. So, yeah, I'm definitely working... I'm focusing on, like, you know, bigger projects, but less projects, which is probably healthier for me anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's... um, I've been saying it for for years now, but it's been fascinating watching the tabletop sort of industry because there's been such an influx of people into it how closely it kind of mirrors because i i i'm a writer and i got my mfa um and the 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 trajectory of people working in the industry it's very similar to what i'm seeing as people who are writers work in the writing industry you know when Mm. it comes to publishing and you know 
getting work and you know some people are perfectly fine publishing lots of little things for little bits mm. of things other people really want to get that contract get that novel get that big um mm. big thing done just the thing it just changes you know some people the the big big thing they're going to launch is a campaign setting or a book yeah um some people it's getting you know on board with and with a company uh, whether it's yeah. it's paizo or 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 wizards or someone and becoming sort of on staff and um i think there's certainly something romantic about the people who about the dm's guild and you know because you see the people who are get on there and they publish something and they make like oodle you know the huge amount of money on dm's guild everything they publish gets huge attention mm. um but so it's interesting you know and so you don't hear about people who are sort of like well i liked that but <laughs> <laughs> I also like it's, not having to juggle 30 things. Yeah, it definitely still has its appeal just because I spent most of 2020 not talking about the ND stuff just because I couldn't, just because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm under two big NTAs. Yeah. And it's just like the fear that, you know, people will forget about me or like, you know, think I'm not doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because a big thing about being a D&D writer is just, you know, the constant feeling that you need to release things just so that you're still on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I guess, you know, you know, because I am now an official writer for a D&D project, it's like, oh yeah, people now know me and will always know me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Definitely helps with that, but you know, that's not the case for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's it's not you know and it's it's especially hard now. <clears throat> Everything is a lot more um, unstable just everywhere, and uh, um, it's with the way that social media works. Because as you, we mentioned, you know, near the top of things, the that marketing mm. of of yourself on Twitter, on Instagram, on <clears throat> whatever, on Discord, even that yeah. marketing of yourself which can be just interacting with people is yeah. is so important to getting that getting getting work and and staying and staying relevant so it it can be hard to feel like you can't do any of that yeah there at least you know the thing about discord is that like and because i moderate the rpg writer workshop is that it's like I can kind of quote unquote market myself just because I am a moderator mm-hmm. that just because people know that I am there and that I interact with people there, they, they have a passing, you know, awareness of my existence at least, but it's, yeah, it's definitely very different from being one of those people that have the time, have the energy, have the ability to do so without breaking NDAs yeah. to just, you know, market like their 50 different projects that they've done Mm -hmm. yeah but exciting thing is as scary as the the idea of it is you know next month you'll be yeah able to talk about it just forever (laughs) it's it's going to be interesting because i think i'm still most known for well from the forest they fled just because uncaged you know volume one is an adamantium Uh, Mm -hmm. metal you know 
thing on the DM Guild. So it's like, it's one of the most best-selling things on that website. So mm-hmm. people are going to buy it and people are going to see that. And But like, as soon as my adventure for Candlekeep comes out, like, that's going to be the thing that I'm known for. And it's going to be wild just being, you know, just jumping from an adventure that I wrote, like, three years i guess i guess it's a bit over two years Mm -hmm. because it was at the end of 2018 and we're at the start of 2021 Mm -hmm. we're just like going from you know that and being known for that for about two years to just oh yeah this thing that just came out (laughs) i wrote it yeah (laughs) that's gonna be interesting i think it'll be fun uh as 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 a reader and i think it'll probably be interesting for you as a writer to yeah put the two next to each other yeah um, it's also going to be interesting because i i think about it like every few months like oh no people are you know well-known people are going to play it oh, <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, i yeah. think um yeah I, i'm definitely thinking about how uh, mark sherlock humes is one of the writers on mm-hmm. this and i'm like oh I, I know you do D and D actual play. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. There's is it very? It's an all. It's a all star lineup. Um, and I, you know, and I, I really can't wait to to see what you've done. You know, it kills me. The worst part of this is not not knowing about it, but um, <laughs> it's you know getting to know getting to know the writers has been really helpful to I th- it's been really getting me more excited because I'm excited to see how um and I think people are going to be interested and very excited when they to see what you've what what yeah. you've created and how you know where it sits with your with not just your your that first one but with your uh, other pe- other things you've written and your your line, mm. line philosophy and then um when the other project uh happens that you're working on um mm. that comes out you have another thing to compare it to yeah it'll be a really interesting a very busy and <laughs> crazy <laughs> time oh. but <laughs> oh my mentions were hell after that, <laughs> that tweet dropped <laughs> i just woke up and saw that like oh yeah okay yeah they definitely announced it yep. already mm-hmm. yeah it's wild all right um well i think that just about is our time um where if we want to follow along with your with your work or you know follow along with your you know what you're doing and where can we find you online uh the main thing is drizillion on twitter that's basically where i do all of my stuff unless you know you're in a discord with me like the rpg writer workshop discord Mm because i am very on discord all the time (laughs) Uh, but yeah, uh, Drazilian on Twitter is basically how you can find me. I have all my links, you know, from there to my other stuff. Uh, the, the big thing is drazilian.itch.io. That's where all my indie, small little indie stuff is. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking about all of your, uh, all of your, you talk about your experience and the stuff you've been working with. Yeah, no problem. It was a pleasure being on this. Yeah. It was really fun talking with you.